Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale. Go to RMFP.com. You want a great ride? Go to Rocky Mountain Eurosport. You can find them in Parker or Denver. They have great finance options. They maintenance all vehicles. You're going to get what you want. And their sales staff, second to nobody. Friendly, and they want to get you in the right ride. The other thing I love about Rocky Mountain Eurosport is all the philanthropy they do around the community and cool events like this one. Uh, They're hosting a 4x4 event on June 4th called 4x4 Colorado's Rigs and Tacos. They are asking people to bring their lifted trucks, SUVs, and other cool gear to this event. As they'll have two food trucks, Hip Pops Denver and Cooking with Crown. They'll also be featuring some really cool lifted trucks and SUVs. And also on Memorial Day, Rocky Mountain Eurosport will have its Customer Appreciation Day at both locations in Parker and in Denver. Time now. The lead. The lead. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. All right, Mace, would you like to talk about something that Pro Football Focus put out? Because I looked at it and I'm like, well, I think this is kind of an interesting topic. Uh, they listed <laughs> what, what they referred to as uh, the most underrated wide receiver duos in the NFL. Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, the Panthers, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, the Steelers, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and the Chargers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Picking from this list, who is the best duo, which to me is essentially the most underrated on the list? It's the Panthers duo. DJ yep. Moore and Robbie Anderson doing doing that with and like in 2020 both had 1000-yard seasons. Uh DJ Moore has three straight 1000-yard seasons. Robbie Robbie Anderson did not hit that mark last year, but he did hit in 2020. Um, and Robbie Anderson was a productive receiver for the Jets as well. So I look at what Moore and Anderson are doing. They are more productive than Sutton and Tim Patrick have been. And you can argue their quarterback situation is no better than the one that Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton had. Because they've cycled through together. They've had, they had Teddy Bridgewater. They had P.J. Walker briefly. They had Sam Darnold. And they even had Cam Newton uh, for a half minute. So everything you can say about Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick and what they've dealt with, you can say the same thing for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and they've been more productive. So I'm going with the Panther duo. I'm not. Keenan Allen is putting together what could be, at the very least, a borderline Hall of Fame career. He's also had a lot better quarterbacking to work with over his career. Okay, so you're going to punish him for that? I'm not punishing for that. I'm saying, like, in terms of Jerry Rice, never should have gotten in the Hall of Fame. Well, and but it, but in terms of, well, wait, we're talking about under, we're talking about underrated, and yes, you can say it's the best. I think that if you put Moore and Anderson on the Chargers, they would be at least as productive as Allen and Williams. They might be, and you're and you're certainly projecting out. Yeah, right. And I agree, the quarterback play plays a major role. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'll tell you who will not be on this list next year. 
if Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. Because then you're looking at two guys in Sutton and Patrick that will put up, you would think, huge numbers. Ideally, yes. Right. But at the end of the day, and I use this analogy all the time, what did Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker do before Peyton Manning got there? They were fine. We knew Demarius Thomas was ridiculously talented. But once he hooked up with Peyton Manning, man, his career absolutely took off. They were good. They were, they were fine. They were good, and but then, not great. Okay, and then they hooked up with a Hall of Fame quarterback, mm-hmm. and bang. Decker, by the way, was good. And Demarius the, Thomas was very good down the stretch of 2011 with Tim Tebow. Demarius Thomas was excellent with Peyton Manning. Eric Decker was good to very good. That's why they didn't try and keep him. They felt they could do better with Emmanuel Sanders. You pay for special. Demarius Demarius Thomas had some special talent to him. Eric Decker was just a very good receiver, and they did replace him with Sanders. I mean, they basically promoted Sanders from wide receiver three to wide receiver two. Why do you think think they didn't have any interest in bringing back Decker, meaning Elway didn't even offer him a contract? Because I certainly have my theory. Because they because Eric Decker made it clear that he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver one, and the Broncos weren't going to give him wide receiver one money. You know where I you know when I think they made their decision on Eric Decker during the Super Bowl when this guy refused to take a hit. He was not Demarius Thomas getting the crap kicked out of him. He shied away from hits. I don't want to say Eric Decker's soft. But he's not tough either, is he? Well, I mean, he would go across the middle. He would make, not in that game. He didn't. I mean, just over the course of his career and even back to college. Too. He he would also. He would if I'm also, not mistaken, he broke his foot on a cash across the middle in college. I'm not referring to that. Yeah. I'm saying in the most important game of the year, and you had that legion of boom jackhammering anybody who caught a ball. Eric Decker didn't seem willing. He didn't seem willing to take the punishment like Demarius Thomas did. Did he? You were at the game. I can't really say I noticed Derek Decker one way or the other in that game. I don't think they. I and well, I, they, and well I, there you go. And I don't there like. And I don't like to play the didn't seem game. That's just. I mean that. That's that can lead to misconclusions. Okay, Eric Decker to me, very talented guy. You know, he's like, like Noah Fant, talented, but not as talented as Demarius Thomas, though. That was the other thing. I mean, you had, you had a very good player and then you had special talent. That's not what I mean. And you're going to pay again. You pay for special. You don't pay for very good. That's not what I mean. Noah Fant, not really a guy crazy about going over the middle. Eric Decker, not really crazy about going over the middle. Why do you think they replaced Decker with a guy who was? Who was as tough as nails in Emmanuel Sanders? And was half the cost on a per year basis. I understand that. That and was it was some of it was also a simple financial decision that going into that offseason, especially coming out of the Super Bowl, they had to prior, prioritize defensive reinforcements. So any consideration of bringing back Eric Decker was effectively nuked by knowing that they had to spend on edge, they had to spend on safety, they, they had to spend on corner. And that's why Emmanuel Sanders became such a palatable replacement because here you, you were, you, there was a risk because you had to see if he could go from being wide receiver three to wide receiver two. 
Who's a better? Wait, I would have told you that Emmanuel Sanders was a better wide receiver than Eric Decker when Decker was with the Broncos. Eric Decker is no way, no how, a number one wide receiver. Forget well, about what he thinks he should be paid. Yeah, but he, but neither was Sanders at that point. So you would have you would have said coming out of 2013 when Sanders had been a, basically a rotational player his first four seasons that he could, he was he was better than Eric Decker there was nothing to back that up at that point the Broncos had to make a projection and because because they were making a projection on Sanders he cost a fraction of what Decker did no and I, they I, were I, counting on him making the leap and it proved to be a very prescient gamble on their part. I'd be, if you shot up John Elway with truth serum or 12 scotches, what they signed Emmanuel Sanders for, I don't think they wanted Eric Decker at that price anyway. I don't know about that. I don't think they wanted him. I don't, but you had Peyton Manning to consider as well. And we know how Peyton likes his timing with his guys. Right. And that came into play as well, but they may again they made a they made a, an allocation of resources decision back then on Eric Decker and and Emmanuel Sanders, and it proved to be very wise. They, I, I mean, because not not every wide receiver three shows they can be a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one. And the Jets, for example, paid Eric Decker like a wide receiver one, and he wasn't a wide receiver one. I know. He felt right. he was better than he was. Yeah, he Decker secured the financial bag, and I will never begrudge anybody for doing that. No, I agree. That was his shot, and he cashed in. Good for him. And I don't blame him for doing it, but I don't think Elway was dying to keep Eric Decker, and if he was, he would have offered him something. He didn't offer him a contract. They were talking to him, but they quickly understood that what that hit the player, the player's value of himself and the team's value of him and where they could go in terms of that spot. And we know that when John Elway was negotiating that, and when they were making their cap plans, that they kind of had, they always had kind of a hard and fast number that they wouldn't go past. And they, they realized quickly it wasn't going to work. Our son and Patrick on this list next year, most underrated wide receivers in the NFL list of four. Are they on this list next year? No, because I think they'll get proper praise for what they do. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying about DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, listen, Robbie Anderson is, has great speed. I'm with you on that. I mean, I think the Broncos considered him, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. did. They did. I mean, he went to he went to Temple, and uh, one reason he ended up in Carolina was, of course, Matt Rule coached him at Temple way back. But he's always been productive, and the Broncos, I think, found the Broncos found out about his, his speed firsthand back when they played in uh, in 2018, the game where the Jets not only ran all over the Broncos but they were beating Bradley Roby deep. Right. With Robbie Anderson. Coming up after the break, Nuggets have home court advantage. Is it really going to be an advantage tonight? That's next.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. I want to tell you about Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. If you are an Avs fan, they have two-for-one Stella pitchers during Avs games. That is hard to pass up. Best happy hour, not in Lakewood, not in Denver, not in Colorado, but in the country. Two-for-one on wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 every single day. They're getting ready to build a new patio, and the patio they have is still terrific. They have 15 pool tables, a pool hall, and you want to watch sports. I mean, they have all the packages. Every seat's a great seat, terrific menu. You need to go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. Michael Malone said prior to tonight's game, he said, I imagine this place, talking about Ball Arena, is going to be half-filled with Warriors fans. Is this really a home court advantage for the Nuggets? Well, I mean, it's better than having 99% filled with Warriors fans out at Chase Center in San Francisco. Thank so. you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, it's better. It's not what you want. Is it kind of like playing a game at SoFi? Uh, SoFi, if it were at SoFi, you'd have 70%? 70% Warriors fans. Yeah. Like, go back to the NFC Championship game and look around at the stands and how much red there was. And then even like two weeks later, the Rams becoming the second consecutive uh, home team in the Super Bowl, right? right? A year before, obviously, it was a COVID crowd, but it was a Buccaneer crowd for the Super Bowl, right? Yep. And then you go to SoFi, the Rams playing in their home stadium. It was louder for the Bengals. Right. <laughs> Much louder. <laughs> it's funny, watching games one and two and watching Aaron Gordon play, but, but specifically... In game two, yeah. Michael Malone said after game one, Aaron Gordon needs to be more aggressive and he needs to stop settling for jump shots. Early on, he was aggressive, but he wasn't really converting. And you could almost look at Draymond Green, even though he didn't say it literally. He might as well have said to Aaron Gordon when he was standing behind the three-point stripe, Daria, Daria, I'm not going to even bother covering you. I'm going to give you all kinds of, I'm going to give you enough room 
where you can drive from the three-point line to the free throw line completely uncontested. Yeah. That's how much room I am going to give you. And Aaron Gordon started to bite. Mm-hmm. He just started to bite. And then the ball started to clank. Yeah. Is he the key to tonight's game? Yeah, because here's the thing. They want him to take that shot. That's, right? that's why they've been giving. Right. I mean, how insulting is it? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when you played Little League Baseball, mm-hmm. right? And just throw right down the plate. Yeah. No. You, you hear from, you know, guys on the on the team that's pitching, and a guy steps to the plate, a kid. It's usually a kid, right? Little League Baseball. Yeah. Just throw right yes. down. Just throw right down the plate. Yeah. And just give just whatever. Don't worry. Or like, or what else happens in that is, you know, in the outfield, everybody in. Right. Everybody in. Right. Right. <laughs> some of the most insult. I mean, if you if you think about it, what are some of the most insulting things that you can do as an athlete to another athlete? One of them is I'm going to give you all kinds of room for that three point jump shot. Yeah. Bring in the outfield. Bring, Bring him in. in. Bring him in. But then it eventually gets into the kid's head, and then they try and overswing, and then they strike out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is there anything else in any other sport that there's something comparable to that in, like, hockey or football? Um, in football, if you, uh, if you don't respect the quarterback and you stack the, and you stack the box and you, and you dare, dare the quarterback to throw yep. deep, you know what? We saw some of that. Right. Against the Broncos, the last couple of the last few years, I mean, right, it, no safety help. Yeah, like with with both Drew Lock and Teddy Bridgewater, right. the last two seasons, how many times did we see? Hey, we we dare you to go deep, right? We dare, you know, man coverage. Yes, no safeties. Mm-hmm. Go for it. And it, it you and don't it, have the accuracy, and you, and you know what? It worked for it worked against both of them, right? Uh, you, you you probably played more basketball than I did because I was not a good mm-hmm. basketball player. Yeah. But here's another big insult to a basketball player. When you are guarding the guy and you know he cannot dribble to his left, mm-hmm. you literally face your body to where that guy would have to literally dribble to his left. It's as if, if he uses his right if he uses his right hand he's going to dribble right around you yeah do you know what i'm saying yep I, exactly i dare you i dare you yeah and that's what they're doing with aaron gordon is there anybody else who has to have a big game tonight are we going to do do these typical will barton has to play well i mean they, they, had they, three, listen. they always need i mean they always need more from will barton than they're getting and it's not the thing is with will it's not that it's not that the effort is lacking he's just not this is not playing well. Right. It's funny. Uh, I don't know if you know this. The The Nuggets did have uh, four guys in double figures on game two. Hey. Unfortunately, three of those guys tied with 12 points. Yeah, they need they need somebody. Somebody else needs to get to 20 tonight. Right. And it does not matter who. It doesn't matter if it's Gordon. It doesn't matter if it's Will the Thrill finally getting hot for a change. It doesn't matter if it's Bones Highland pulling the, uh, the Vinnie Johnson microwave act. Right. Yep. Somebody needs to get to twenty tonight. If that doesn't happen, this is L number three in right. a row. If somebody gets to twenty, because look, 
I, I, Jokic, I think. I don't think it matters if somebody gets a 20. Jokic, because, is, gonna, Jokic is gonna get his 25 and 11. If somebody gets a 20, I think they have a puncture shot. I don't think it matters if somebody gets a 20, because it's all about playing defense. What if they've given up? What if they've given up in the last two games? 127, 123? It's not about getting the to 20. Well, they're, they're defense, it's about guarding. My, my assumption is their defense is going to be great. They're simply, they need to actually, they need to be hot enough to stay punch for punch with, with them and, and outscore them. I mean, yeah. Let, let's you, put this in perspective here. Uh, do you have the final score in front of you? Was it 127 to what? Was it 127-106, I think? 127-106. Or 126-106. 126, 106. And the other one was 123, Three. 107. Okay. So let's. You were, because you were off by literally two points on the dubs. Okay. I'm going to put something into perspective, some hard numbers, because I know okay. you're a numbers guy. Yeah. I said that three guys scored 12 points. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe one of them was Aaron Gordon, right? And another yes. guy was Will Barton. Yeah. Just for fun, let's give them both 20 points. Now, what's the score? Uh, they would have lost. Then that's sixteen more points. They would have lost by uh, four. So now you have three guys in their twenties, and they still would have lost. So it doesn't matter if somebody gets in their twenties. Just make sure they don't get one twenty-five. Well, no, it's it's the dispersal of points. It's the fact that you have somebody else who, if they get to twenty, that means at some point in the game they carry the load. In all likelihood. My point is, is that how many points did Jokic score? Twenty-six. Yeah. Was it twenty-six and eleven or twenty-five? If somebody would have said to you before 26. game, if somebody would have said to you before game two, Jokic is going to score twenty-six, Gordon would score twenty, and Will Barton would score twenty, you'd say Nuggets are going to win this game, and they still would have lost. It's not about offense; it's about defense, and that's the problem. And I'm not trying. Now watch. Uh, Aaron Gordon is going to score 21 points. Jokic is going to score 27. And the Nuggets will win. But if they do, it's going to be because they played better defense. They just don't have anyone to guard the perimeter. And that's where the Warriors are strong. What do you think happens in tonight's game? I think the Nuggets are feistier, and I think they lose by five. They start fast? Reasonably fast, yes. When do they blow the lead? Think, uh, what was that Danny? I think they lose third the, quarter. I think they lose the lead in the second quarter. They play relatively even in the third. The Warriors inch forward in the fourth and and win it by five. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little Broncos long term planning, specifically in the front seven. We're going to pick out two guys who are up for contracts, and if you can only pick one, who are you taking? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. 
Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mays Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Meanwhile, Mays, you have an interesting, fun, depressing fact for us about tonight's Game 3. Yes, uh, in in this postseason, the, uh, the Nuggets and the Raptors became the 14th and 15th teams since the NBA went to a seven a best of seven first round to lose both of their fir- of the first two games in the series by 15 or more points. Uh, so those previous 13 teams, can you tell me how many of those came back to win the series? No idea. One. Hmm. Just one of those teams. And that was the Portland Trailblazers back six years ago. Lost the first two by 15-plus. The Clippers won the next four and then lost the Warriors in the conference semifinals. So for the Nuggets to come back, they are overcoming history. Although in a be- in the best-of-five era, they did come back from in this scenario when they were down to love to the Sonics back in 1994. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Uh, why don't you introduce this particular segment since you came up with this topic? Yeah, this is actually pretty interesting. To, to well, of course it is. You came up with it. I, I just told you. Well, you came up with it. Now you're telling me it's very interesting. Well, gosh. This is a fantastic topic. Hey, Andrew, you came up with a great topic. Thank You're right, you. Eric. This is awesome. It is awesome because we like to look over the horizon, right? We do. And uh, the Broncos don't have many urgent contract situations in terms of re-signing for 2023. Mm-hmm. But the two biggest ones, they're both in the front seven, Bradley Chubb and Draymond Jones. And Draymond Jones... He, you know, he isn't, he'll, he'll say he's not completely focused on the contract, but he talks about how he thinks about money lost with sacks that he didn't get last year. So we know he's actually, all thinking. guys think about, yeah, money. we're thinking about that. If they tell you they're not thinking about the contract, they're lying. You know what I say to guys going into a contract year? I always try and phrase it in a way where they can't get out of it and give me an answer <laughs> and give me an answer, that's which good. give me an answer, which is that's not on my mind right now. Yeah. You know how I phrase it to him? Yeah. I will say to somebody, you're coming up on a contract here, and it's only human nature to have that thought cross your mind mm-hmm. once or twice in your private moments. Yeah. There's no way somebody with a straight face can say to me, I've never thought about it once or right. twice. You kind of cut them off at the pass a little bit. Yeah. It's only human nature to think about it. Are they thinking about it in the middle of a game? No. Probably. No, they're not. No. Are they thinking about it when they're sitting there in a meeting on Wednesday and you've been in the meeting for a couple of hours and the mind drifts a little bit because you've heard the coach rattling on up there? You know who's thinking? Yes, you you're know thinking who, about that. I tell you what. Here, you know, it'd be a better way to phrase the question. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you this question the way it would be normally asked, not the way I tried to kind of narrow the focus to mm-hmm. get you to answer how I want you to answer. You have a contract you're coming up. How much are you thinking about it? I'm not thinking about it. I'm playing ball. You're married, right? Yeah. How much does your wife talk to you about it? Boom! Jay, that's good. Boom goes the dynamite. That's good. Boom, because you know, you know she has brought it up over dinner and you know at she, least once or twice. And here's the thing. You know if she hasn't, Mama has. 
That's right. Because somebody's because that out. contract is probably allowing Mama to relocate to a bigger house, right? And uh, enjoy retirement, right? 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 Okay. So, we're, we're, I want to say something real quick. Yeah, though, go ahead. Because you and I have sat in too many press conferences together. Yeah. Sometimes, and this has not been the. This has been said to me too many times. Eric, your questions are too long winded. And you know what? I won't necessarily disagree, but there's a reason why they're long winded because I don't want the obvious answer. I need to frame it in a way carefully that you're not going to give me the, I never, I don't think about my contract. Yeah. So if you kind of force them into a corner, it's going to take more words out of your mouth to ask that question. I can't wait to see what kind of question you have tomorrow. I really have nothing. Are you? You're, you're not. You're going tomorrow, right? To I am George going. Payton's press conference. Well, ten o'clock, right? Yeah, ten a.m. I don't know what's in really the bomb they, shelter. They don't have <laughs> the way you're talking about the field house, the new media right. room, the bomb shelter. Um, what is there really to ask, honestly, when they don't have a first round pick? And then you have the obvious ones. You know what? What? What are your most important needs? Well, the funny or, thing is, I, are you going to are you going to try and compile? Draft picks because you always like ten. Well, we're well, always we're always going to look for the best possible deal to build the team. I mean, I got to work on a question because I already asked him about the strengths of the draft in general at the combine. So he already, he, you know, he already kind of laid out the positions and said the positions of strength actually match up reasonably well with their positions of need. Here's a here's a question okay. for him. Well, I got a question for him. You ready? Yeah. Okay. George, I know last year you spent a lot of time researching all of the quarterbacks. How disappointed, viscerally disappointed are you that you're not going to get a chance to do that this year? No, he'll probably tell you. Probably that they're probably still doing work on quarterbacks, but they're going to be like day three quarterbacks. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so good. You spent a lot of time last year researching first round quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. How disappointed are you that you haven't spent any time over the last month and a half researching Kenny Pickett's hand size? <laughs> That's good. That's my question. That's good. Does that work or do you want it? Because I'll think of something new. That's good. Yeah, you'll, you'll probably get a laugh out of him from that, I think. Yeah, it'll get at least a chuckle. So anyway, the original thing, it was con- it's contract time uh, for, Bra- for Bradley Chubb and Draymond Jones. Bradley Chubb, Pro Bowl, Draymond back a couple of years ago, injury prone, Draymond Jones, pretty effective interior pass rusher, although he hasn't hit that kind of double-digit sack level just yet. Let's say both have great seasons. Who are they more likely to re-sign? They're going to give the franchise tag to Chubb, and then they'll re-sign Draymond Jones. Unless they feel the draft, they can get a guy in the, if they get a second-round pick or a third-round pick, Mm -hmm. or they spot somebody in free agency that they can get for less and think is just as good. I I think the only way they bring both back is if one of them is a franchise tag. Right. Right. And Draymond Jones will be about 14. He'll be about 14. 14 million a year will get him into the top 10 of interior defensive linemen. Right. The question is, does Draymond Jones bet on himself? Because if he's a double-digit interior guy this year in terms of sack production, that goes up from $14 million. That probably starts getting into eight top five territory. Well, maybe- Jonathan Allen of Washington, that's top five interior DL. He's, 20, he's, uh, he's at $18 million a year. Okay, let's say for the sake of argument, Dray- Draymond Jones gets off to a really hot start. Mm-hmm. Opening six games. He has three and a half sacks, and he's doing really well against the run. Mm-hmm. If you're George Payton, do you try and hurry to get a contract in front of him? Oh, hell yeah, I do. Okay. Now, if you're Draymond Jones, would you sign it? Three and a half over six games. Um, two and a half. 
two and a half, let's say two and a half, two and a half over six games, I'm probably signing it. If I'm at four sacks over six games, I'm probably passing. Right. Because four over six, that puts him on pace to get 11 sacks. 11 sacks for an interior defensive lineman is tall, is a, is, is some tall cotton, as it were. Yeah. And that's going to make him a lot of bank. He'll have hand. It, it, it's the bird in the hand versus two in the bush. Right. Um, but we do I think that it's the Broncos will try to get Draymond Jones signed during the season? Absolutely. I mean, one one thing as it worked out in the Russell Wilson trade, mm-hmm. Seattle would have really liked to have had Draymond Jones. Right. The Broncos got it done with Shelby Harris, who's a very good player, but on the other side of thirty. But the Seahawks would have preferred Draymond Jones. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? We talked about Jamal Murray maybe coming back at some point in the playoffs. There is another player out in the Eastern Conference set to make his debut with a new team, and we'll talk about the impact that'll have. Also, Shohei Otani making history again. We'll get into all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Second on Chili Dog. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver five years running. Or order online at argonautliquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Ben Simmons to make his Nets debut in Game 4 versus the Celtics, barring a significant setback. How will uh, Simmons finally joining his new team on the court impact the series, adding an elite defender like that to KD and Kyrie's Nets? An elite defender who is probably incredibly rusty right now. I I don't doubt that he is in reasonable shape, but... uh, I do doubt that he's going to play more than 20 minutes or so in the game. Here's the thing about Ben Simmons' game. He would be rusty as an offensive player, not to mention he's a rusty offensive player anyway, Mm -hmm. but that defense he should be able to pick right up. Yeah, It's all about technique, and it's about effort. I I don't see a huge drop-off spending all this time away. Mm -hmm. It's, It's kind of like you'd say the same thing to a Bruce Bowen or a Dennis Rodman. Or a, or a Draymond Green. Those guys are primarily defensive players. You should be able to pick that right up right when you hop on the court. 
Now, conditioning is different. But if you ask somebody to get their shot, like Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. I think might have a difficult time if he came back because it's hard to get in that rhythm shooting-wise, but not defense. By the way, when last we saw Ben Simmons uh, in action in the postseason. Oh, boy. Here, here uh, comes the rip. Yeah, his last three games, he played in a total of... 98 of 98 minutes. So he played about thir- about 32 and uh, minutes, 40 seconds per game. In those three games combined, he scored 19 points. But that's not what you brought in Ben Simmons to do. You didn't bring in him for the offensive side, right. for the offensive end of the floor. Right. So. Just in case you missed it, Shohei Otani is the first starting pitcher in the modern era since 1900 to bat twice in the top of the first inning before Hmm. he even threw his first pitch. Is this even more of a special accomplishment considering now there is a universal DH? Um, Well, yeah, because how many pitchers are going to be hitting at this point now? right? Right. It's... It, it, it's a special accomplishment, anyway. Well, um, I, I but think in that, but now it's it's in the realm of he's the only person who's going to be able to do it. Period. It'd be more special, honestly, if there wasn't a DH, because usually, generally speaking, a pitcher <laughs> is an easy out, mm-hmm. and it's tougher to bat around right. when you essentially have a guaranteed one out in your lineup. Right. A now, lot of the time, they would bat ninth, too. Right, so you'd right. have to get all the way through the lineup twice. Right. Just in case you missed it, Serena Williams and F1 champ Lewis Hamilton have joined Martin Broughton's bid to buy Chelsea FC. Hamilton has long been a fan of Arsenal the London rival of Chelsea. Uh, if you could buy a team that was the rival of a team you root for, would you be able to do so and have that team's best interest at heart? Can I say just one thing about Lewis Hamilton? Of course. It is unfortunate that, generally speaking, nobody in the United States knows who Lewis Hamilton is. Because Lewis Hamilton, I'm not going to say athlete, but is one of the greatest sportsmen of any sport in the history of of sports. He is the Wayne Gretzky. He is the Babe Ruth of what he does in Formula One. No one has more world driving championships than Lewis Hamilton. And he can He's walk, at seven tied with uh, Michael Schumacher. He could walk down and he's better than Michael Schumacher. Yes, he, he could walk down the street in any city and nobody would know who he is. At least in this country. That in this country. Or I, I'd even say on this continent cuz I think he'd be Walk around in Canada as well. Couldn't walk around in Antarctica. Nobody would know who he is. Well, there's no, hardly anyone there. But every other corner of the globe, they know who Lewis Hamilton is. Anyway, so what was besides Antarctica? So anyway, the, the original point well, was you're talking about continents. No, was, was buying your rival team. You Do know, people what? know him in Madagascar. What? Do people know him in Madagascar? Yeah, that's part of Africa. Even though it's an island, it's on it's off the coast, but it's considered part you of Africa. You know the only reason why I know Madagascar? The mo- the kids' movies. Wrong. Because I played the game Risk as a kid, and I always wanted Madagascar. Okay. Anyway, to Danny's original question. <laughs> yeah, what was the original question? It was question? about buy buying, buying the, the rival of a team that you support. The moment you write that check, if I had enough money to do that, the moment I wrote that check, mm-hmm. I'd be all in. I'm good. Yeah. I could cut. I could cut it off because now I've bought into. I've bought into a side. That's my team. Period. But you know what, though? Like if with, I, with the teams yeah. that you root for, you don't have a rival. Nobody in Tampa has a rival. 
Uh, Duke does, but that's, I mean, uh, North Carolina does, but that's a college, so you can't count that. Okay, bye, man. I, the, the Braves, Manchester United. The Braves, the Braves don't. Manchester I'm United. I'm talking about sports in the United States. Yeah. All right, the Braves, the Braves, pretty much any team in the NL East. No. You may, that's where you'd be wrong. No. Uh, I could, okay, I tell you, uh, let me. It, is it Red Sox, Yankees? No. Is, are Braves, Phillies, and Braves, Mets games filled with a little bit of emotion, a little uh, hostility? That, that one of the things I like about mm-hmm. the National League East, having watched it over the years, yeah. is that that there is a degree of hostility among the Braves no. and the Phillies and the Mets. No. Well, you, again, like I said, you may think that, but you may think what you think, but you'd be wrong. Well, I'll tell you why I'm right. Because there isn't the history between the Braves and anybody in the East because they used to be in the West. And if you want to talk about a rivalry, I'll go with the Mets and the Phillies because they're so close. And Philly fans hate everybody, but especially New Yorkers. Who's been the most successful team in the National League East since it was since uh, the since the reshuffling and, and realignment? Ask a Mets fan. We'll ask Anilo. Who do you hate more, the Phillies or the Braves? I'd be willing to bet he says mm, the Phillies. I, ask anybody in Philadelphia. Trust me, it's not Atlanta. I, it's New York. I don't. It's all New York all the time. I, I don't know that you'd get that answer from Mets fan, from a lot of Mets fans. You would from Philly fans. I think Philly hates everybody. They do, but they especially hate New York, as much as Boston hates New York. Yeah, I I think you're underestimating the the hatred in the NL East. I mean, I can see in the uh, I can see back in the early 1990s when the Braves were really good, but you don't have those teams anymore. Yeah, they've only won four straight division titles, and they just won the World Series. Yeah, yeah. they're they're doing bupkis. No, I'd say they're doing bupkis. What I'm saying, they've is... literally won the National League East more than half the time okay. since it was since the realignment. Okay. Right. I mean, no, they've they've done well over the last four years, winning division titles. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but wait, they had their downtime. Like put... the Mets were. Look, the, wait, the, wait, the wait, where do they put the banners for division titles in that stadium? Do they have them up? They have. Uh, they have two. They have like like they're not they're faux flags. They're like signs right. that mimic pennants right. for every division title, every playoff appearance, every World Series right. win, all that. Right. Yeah. Well, well, kind of like the Broncos. Let's win the AFC West. No, how about win the AFC? Or how about win the Super Bowl? If you win the AFC West, you're a Super Bowl contender. I understand that. So yeah, that's why I do not disagree with Nathaniel Hackett emphasizing that. Most real teams don't get off on winning their division and celebrate it with, with a champagne shower. You celebrate the accomplishments along the way. Well, then again, baseball is a sport where they pop champagne for any reason. You advance around the postseason, you We bat it around! Let's get some champagne. Oh, come on. Come on. Just in case you missed it, yesterday <laughs> you guys talked about Charlie Blackman and his deal to become the first active MLB MLB player to endorse a sports book. And we also discussed the Padres' partnership with Motorola. Do you think that a team as a whole will partner with a sports book as the boom of the sports betting industry continues and jersey sponsors are coming to MLB? Absolutely. I can't believe it hasn't happened already. I mean, you, and again, kind of the, on the leading edge of this is, uh, you know, soccer sponsorships and you go to England. And I think something like 40% of the clubs in the Premier League are sponsored by some sort of gambling outfit. Yeah, this is this is coming. There's there's going to be a, you know, a DraftKings or whatever logo on uh, on a team's jersey very soon. 
All right, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, Argonaut, great specials all the time. Here are a couple. Highland Park 12-year, just $39.99. Culprit Red Blend, just $11.99. And starting tomorrow, Chile and Argentina wines are on sale starting tomorrow through next Thursday. And don't forget, if you want delivery for free, you can get it with orders of 100 bucks or more. See why Argonaut Wine and Liquor is Westward's best liquor store in Denver, five years running. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, great job today. Same with you, Danny Mace. You were simply delightful as always. You too. I'll try and make it a better show tomorrow for me, at least. <laughs>